This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Ladies and gentlemen, the button has been pushed. That means we're into the afternoon, a very, very good afternoon to you it seems like a long time that you and I have been, since you and I have been sitting in the same Seems like weeks, Matt. It does, doesn't it? Weeks. It does. Because uh, last... You were in Benders last week. I was in Benders. Uh, in the goldfields. And last time I was speaking to you was in glorious sunshine. Um, yeah. From the, uh, I think it's the Prince Charles Reserve or the Prince of Wales Reserve the one or something the big, in Bendigo. The big Queen Victoria in there? Or that's in the centre of town, isn't it? Yeah. Queen and, Vic. And there was a big Marilyn Monroe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huge. Huge. It's sort of like Godzilla meets Marilyn. <laughs> well, Australia is known for its big things, right? You've got the big prawn, the big banana, now we've got the big Marilyn. Uh, that'd be funny. I'm thinking yeah. of Ghostbusters, you know, maybe <laughs> take over the city. Uh, but no, I had a great time there. Bendigo um, was good. Bendigo was good. You went to, we spoke about this last week. Yeah, we've done all you, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right. Great. This week, Cameron, This week, I get to look at you. Yes, I, I do. I look regard at you. you. I get to talk to you people mm. from this glorious studio where it's warm. Yes. How you going out there? It's a bit chilly out there. Bit nippy. Uh, yeah, you want to be... Sunshine's good if you can be in the sunshine, but uh, otherwise I'd say rug up if you are going to go outside. I did go outside. I did talk to John. Yes. We have a market report. Beans are $20 a kilo right. at the market. Right. So just don't buy them. <laughs> Duh. Flow around the beans. Yeah, flow. Be, Go like, to something be like water. <laughs> the Buddhist. You could be the Buddhist, uh, you know, vegetable buyer. Yeah. I see the beans at $20. I roll around them. Hey, you know what? We probably should say... Uh, Thank it's, you. It's after midday. You're listening, of course, to Triple R. Oh, that's right. Where are we? What are we doing? The show what, is... What We're frequency is this? Food. Your what? name is Cameron Smith. Yes. I am Matt Steadman. Yes. Welcome to the afternoon. And that's Matt Steadman with his housekeeping apron on. Yes. Very nice, too. Which is good. It's keeping me warm because I forgot my coat. So, at least I've got my housekeeping apron to... um. Keep the chills away. Matt's a bit of a freak. Uh, in that I saw him get out of his car and he's wearing a t-shirt. I do and I'm going, what is the matter with you? 52 weeks of the year, I do wander in a t-shirt, don't I? It could be 45 degrees out there. It could be uh, hail. Just so, I'm just really glad you're not one of those people that in the middle of winter wears thongs. Yeah, no. I just can't. No. And I know there's people with great circulation and good on you. Yes. That's good on you. That's get out great. there and circulate. Wow. That's, that's, but I still think you're kind of freaky. Shall I continue the housekeeping and say thank you, of course, to the scientists for 60 minutes? Oh, why uh, not? And the doctors before that. Yeah, they're just and just around there. Yeah, chilling out. Yeah, cleaning up the litmus paper. That's it, yes. Oh, this one's changed colour. Yes, get rid pH of on this one. pH on this one's good. Uh, 12.05, we're just wasting the hour, so Pretty we should much. probably get into it. Uh, went to an interesting exhibition, 700 Swanston Street. Yes. Glorious building. Uh, Where's that 700? Uh, which building? Is that up RMIT way or? It's more Melbourne University way. Oh, it's, right. but it's actually on the eastern side of the road. Yes. Not the western side where all the glorious campuses are of Melbourne yes. University. The hallowed Ivy League grounds that we have, that uh, we call our own. Yes. That is our Ivy League, isn't Pretty it? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, it is. Anyway, but, um, across the road was a, uh, thing called Inheritance, which has been curated by Dr. Rene Beale. Yes. Uh, it's a creative exploration of future food. You can tell I'm reading Future that. food. Future food. Right. What's going to happen in the future? Well, if we continue the way we do, let's extrapolate. Yeah. Let's bring in the artists. Let's bring in the scientists. We'll yep. bring them together. Yeah. And we'll do that. Uh, and one of the... Uh, there's some interesting imaginings here. Um, well, one is about uh, a world without bees. Uh, another, this interesting stop-motion animation that was sort of in all these beakers showing the life cycles of different plants. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Yeah, right. <clears throat> but we uh, we are very, very happy and pleased yes. to say... I mean, look, everybody's just reading their papers yeah. in the green room. Uh, one of those people doing that is uh, Dr. Sophie Lamond, and yes. um, she's she fed us. Yeah, right. Post-apocalyptic food, man. What's the, the, the title of the meal you ate? Gastronomica Apocalyptica. Yes. Lots of syllables and uh, an interesting font, too. But uh, we might have a chat to her about um, the future of food. Yes. What can we expect? Yes. Yeah? Do you like jellyfish? Get ready to eat a lot of them. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to do that. Uh, so we're going to do that. We go to John and double happiness. Mm-hmm is all around us mm-hmm. today. 
because we've got Matt and Vanessa here from Melbourne Rooftop Honey. Yes. And uh, they've got some interesting things happening. They weren't pleased when we started talking about a world without bees. No. No. And so they should. They've got a bit frowning. No. What do you mean? No bees. We need bees. Do you you like almonds? What are you talking about, Willis? And um, and there's some moves afoot. Apparently there's a very, very large holding of land up north. Yes. Near Robinvale, where most of our almonds come from. This is kind of scary. There's... um well, yeah. you go on, yes. Oh, well, no, we'll just stay tuned. Yeah, we'll probably, talk about probably, it. Probably the best way to do that sort of stuff. Uh, do I have a food quote? Yeah, I've got a nice food quote mm-hmm. for you today. This is from Julia Child. Did you see that movie, Julia and Julia? No. <coughs> Meryl Streep played Julia Child. Rather good. Right. Rather good. Right. Mm. Anyway, she said, uh-huh. some people like to paint pictures or do gardening or build a boat in a basement. Other people get a tremendous pleasure out of the kitchen because cooking is just as creative and as imaginative an activity as drawing or wood carving or music. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. There we go. Motherhood statements made here on Triple R. 1208. Oh, and we should also say that there's something yeah. very, very exciting. Uh, live to air tonight. Yes, this uh, is awesome. The bloody kills, the mate. The kills. The kills. I think we don't have a piece of paper. <coughs> I think it's about 7.30 tonight. I really yeah, well, should have looked it up before we mentioned it. Well, no, what we're doing is we're just announcing it and then we're going to fill in the details a little bit Yeah, that's later exactly on. what we're doing. We're, yeah, we'll, yeah. 1209 here on 3 triple R. Oh, and hey, also just with my housekeeping apron on. Yes. Uh, open Melbourne next week. Triple uh, R's part of that. So we've got an open day on Saturday. I think there's a cart coming up about that too. So, um, oh, stay tuned. Yeah, I think it's uh, next Saturday. Just pop on in and just, just hang out. Right. And see the inside of these magical radio containers we call studios. Nice studios they are too. They're all right, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty good. They're warm. They keep the wind out. <laughs> they're very nice and warm I like, today. I like that. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, let's kick off with the show. Um, stay tuned. Triple yes. R is the station you're on. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back with uh, Dr. Sophie Lamond next here on Eat It. Oh, I heard. Mm. Did you hear Max? This yes. is Secret Max. Secret Max there. and Banjo. But not so <laughs> secret. We have Dr. Sophie Lamont. She's in here today and she's... Not a doctor. <laughs> oh, why not? Not yet. I'm starting my PhD at the end of this year. Almost. Can doctor. we give it an honorary doctorate? Absolutely. You have an honorary doctorate Yay. since you come in here <laughs> on <easy>. a Sunday <laughs> and, you've, uh, and you've braved all these things. Sophie Lamont, thank you for, for joining us. Tell us, first of all, what has been happening down there at... 700 Swanson Street. Yeah, so the Carlton Connect Initiative, that Lab 14. Um, nice at the moment, building, by the way. It is, isn't it? Sure. It's very groovy. Um, yeah. So they are in the middle of a season called Absolutely Famished, which is curated by Dr. Renee Beale, who I can recommend highly as a wonderful human. Yes. <laughs> um, but mentioned. they are looking through a series of talks and panels and exhibitions at the sort of the 22nd century marketplace, looking at the future of food. And uh, it encompassed quite a few different areas. And first of all, you go into this very, very modern um, space. Beautiful space, it's got to be said. Very industrial chic, yes. It is very industrial chic. Industrial chic. And and there were a few exhibitions that were on. First of all, how long is it on for? I think the season is six months. So it was launched a little while ago and with a kind of speculative thing with some experts and talking about different areas of the future of food and then they've got this series of events. But we've just had... um, Beautiful exhibition by Anna Madeline, who's a Canberra-based artist that you had the pleasure of seeing the other evening. Yes, I did. And what was the theme of her work? Um, It's called Inheritance, and the idea is sort of taking this sort of looking in the future, looking backwards at the things that we've inherited and maybe looking a little bit poignantly um, with nostalgia at the things that we might have lost. And it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of our gift he said with quotation marks, uh, to the next generations. Yeah, so she had some beautiful... And her work's really based in um, sort of natural history drawings. So she had these beautiful um, illustrations of plants, but also amazingly handmade beehives that were made out of tissue paper um, that were floating. And I think they were sort of almost like these sort of coral. Yeah, they were. um, They were these sort of beautiful yellow suspended things, gorgeously lit. Yeah, it's nicely curated. Yeah, the lighting. It had all the... So all the shadows were sort of playing on the wall and everything. The problem was... Yes. Beehives are empty. 
They aren't. There's, ain't no bees in there. There are no bees. And that was uh, that was something we were pointing to. Um, you were charged with um, feeding us. Yeah. Uh, in a post, well, do we say apocalyptic? Um. Well, yeah. So it's called gastronomica apocalyptica. So it does invoke the apocalypse. But I think that was a large part of the conversation that was being had, you know, for the yeah. audience and back and forth. Is you know, I think people see the apocalypse as this sort of very finite thing in which nothing's left. But um, and, and apocalypse almost denotes something that happens over. It's like this event that bang and it mm. happens. But this is sort of like the slow motion train crash that we are. In the midst in, of in right the midst now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, just a little grim yeah. Sunday morning observation. <laughs> yeah, bang. Well, yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, we don't want to put you off your cornflakes or, I don't know, maybe send you to forget Elevenses, you know. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to drink heavily. But oh, I suppose if you're having uh, crumpets with honey, you should be enjoying the honey now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? But uh, you, first of all, how did you become involved in this? And then how did you go about... Supplying the brief, I suppose. Well, it actually started... Um, Who did you know? <laughs> at the beginning of yeah. the year. So um, I am... Uh, my background is actually in the arts. I was trained as a curator and mm. then promptly buggered off to do something else. Yeah. Um, but I've got all these wonderful friends who are still curators and I was on the phone to one of them at the beginning of the year and having this conversation. They said, well, do something. Yeah, well, come on. Um, Stop just talking about it. And so that was for a festival in Canberra called You Are Here. Yes. Uh, and the wonderful uh, Vanessa Wright, who is one of the directors of that, said, okay, well, put your money where your mouth is and put on a dinner party. And so I really thought about, you know, what the future of food would look like. And, um, you know, I, I sort of have been a couple of times and this has been reported. So people said, oh, you're a foodie or you're a chef. And I'm like, oh, I'm none of those things. Mm. Um, I am just someone who reads too much that has a kitchen. So it really has been about thinking, look, I read all this stuff all the time about the future of food, but what does it mean and what does it look like? And yeah. so... That's where it started um, and looked at, you know, if we sort of looked at these things like the bees have run out and the climate, climate change has gotten much worse and biodiversity has collapsed and trade deals have collapsed, what do we actually have available to us? What's so, left? What's left? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of <laughs> it. And, and one of the things that uh, is kind of terrifying for those that um, adore eating things from the sea, you know, beautiful fish and things like that, they're going to be off the menu. Yeah, well, uh, things with shells, apparently it's already happening that the acidity of the ocean is increasing to the point where shells are cl- like falling apart. Calcium carbonate, not available. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all over. Um, yeah. So one of the things that does survive in the sea, apparently jellyfish, the new jellyfish overlords. And uh, cephalopods will be big. Hmm. So Go Ceph. And what, who's <laughs> Ceph? Um, so one of the things that we get here is the, the jellyfish salad. Which uh, people, it's actually, one of the things, the joys about this is you sort of feed people this food and they think, oh, it's going to be apocalyptic and it's going to be revolting. And they go, oh, that was actually quite good. Mm. <laughs> um, so we had a jellyfish, seaweed, finger lime and ant salad. So lots of insects. Yes. Um, which is some, which has been a movement that is sort of um, getting force, isn't it? That we're, we're being body. told that if we want proteins... Yeah, so, and that, I mean, that was probably even earlier than the festival in Canberra. Um, I wrote an essay for one of my courses. I was doing a course called Food Production for Urban Landscapes at Melbourne Uni, and I full well knew that I didn't know enough about plants to run in the horticulture college to write about plants, so I yeah. took the essay question about eating insects. Um, so I did all this research into eating insects, and then I thought, well, this is ridiculous. I've just written this huge thing, and I've got no idea what it tastes like to do this. So I better have a look. Better have a taste. And I actually got to taste uh, mealworms for the first time in Switzerland last year and then came back and tried to work out where I could get a hold of them here. And is it a place somewhere in New South Wales where you got... Yeah, well, there's a shop online called the Edible Bug Shop. And that's in New South Wales? Yeah, I think so. That's about the only one, isn't it? Um, I think they're around. And there's a couple of import ones, but I'm not really sure about what the... I haven't been game to try and buy them from overseas yet. Yes. <laughs> but a lot of the sort of more exciting insects. Um, I think you can buy some scorpions and things like that. So I haven't got there Which yet. Which I have no interest in eating at all. <laughs> I couldn't eat a spider. I'm an arachnophobe. And the idea... I just think I would be falling asleep with this idea that there was a spider inside me and I couldn't get out of my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of challenging. Matt, your thoughts about eating... Well, we had mealworms on the show last year, I think. And they're actually quite tasty. Mealworms are totally fine. They're, they're yummy. And yeah. that's what everyone says. They're like, oh, this is... And, like, the ants are sort of, like, they're zesty. And yeah. the mealworms, I think, are kind of nutty and mushroomy. Well, they're sort of like the, yeah. the beer nuts of the insect world, aren't Pretty they? Much, yeah. <laughs> the crickets are a bit leggy. 
Yes. Mm. Yep. Um, I think mealworms I could like really get on board with is like just an everyday kitchen ingredient. But mm. the meal, uh, the crickets definitely are a bit sort of between your teeth. <laughs> yeah, I think the first time I ever had them was uh, on a pizza, and it's the only time that I've ever sort of pulled out. <laughs> yeah. Bug. Pug. Wow, there's a cricket slick. That was. Uh, but I think like if you can eat prawns, I can't quite work out the difference between like a prawn and a cicada. Like you know, flan prawn. Mm. <laughs> so. This food, it went down really, really well. You guys got slammed at the... Yeah, I believe there was... We'll call it an opening night for, yeah. for this thing that we saw. There was there were hundreds of people yeah, there. Yeah, I think was, someone said it at 250, and I didn't really get much perspective because I was just running around like a mad woman throwing jellyfish at people. Mm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, really interesting conversations and getting people to think about this stuff. And like, I firmly believe that you know you can talk about this stuff. We do all the time. We talk about climate change, but when you actually get some people, you know, to touch and taste things. But there's sort of one thing that sort of underlies this: the way that this has gone through this gastronomic or apocalyptic. I can't get my head around those syllables. But this sort of assumes that. We're going to go down the path, and it's a fait accompli. It's 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 a given that everything is going to be screwed. Is there something in within you that I hope you're going to say yes? That that <laughs> maybe we might be able to pull ourselves back from this 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 epicurean abyss. Epicurean abyss. Um. Yeah. Look, I think. Please say the yes. answer is I don't know. Okay. But <laughs> you know, um, I think. We will discover a whole lot of things. I think people are becoming much, much more conscious about this kind of stuff. And uh, one of the big things was about biodiversity. So I hope that people are going to be a bit more adventurous in what they eat. And you mm. know, the way to save food is to eat it. Yes. And also to look after your farmers and respect their profession. And <laughs> yeah. that's a big task. But yes. um, I think, you know, it, it's a bit perverse. Like, it, you know, it's got this idea about the apocalypse, but it really yes. is about resilience. It's not actually about and and maybe doom. And, and <laughs> the and the implication is the adaptability of us as a species. Adaptability, absolutely. And you know, some of this as well. For me, as doing this thing, it was this really interesting adventure in working out where to find these foods and mm. things like um, native ingredients and stuff, and looking at what resilience means, and just sort of really asking people to be a bit more conscious of what. We could be eating, you know, and like, you know, what is available to us, and you know, there's. I think we've firmly moved on from the days of meat and three veg, but now we haven't quite got to what's next, and we do, and like, I think it's an interesting combination of this sort of fusion thing where there's a lot of um, native Australian foods, but there's also a lot of sort of like regional foods, like you know, Australia is effectively a country in Asia, and a lot of this is doing things like putting. Well, we've got about eighteen climactic zones in this country, I think. Absolutely. So yeah. you know, like this had like Tasmanian mountain pepper in it, and dashi broth, and a finger lime, and a mealworm, and sort of looking at how do we recombine the things that are available to us in our own cuisine, which we've never kind of nailed, I don't think. No, we don't. And as you said, we should probably wrap this up fairly soon. I'm getting the thumbs up from Matt. <laughs> God, you're a hard taskmaster, Matt. <laughs> but is the, the the fact is that if we go to the supermarkets to buy food and a lot within the markets, we're just looking at a few cultivars of yeah. any different species in itself. And in a way, it's not quite a monoculture, but it's pretty damn close, isn't it? It is. And I had this really funny moment with a friend of mine, uh, I picked up a veggie uh, box from Grown and Gathered, and she goes, mm. what's that? I said, it's an eggplant. What's that? Oh, it's a different kind of eggplant. What's that? I said, it's just a different kind of eggplant, because it had about six different Who kinds. Who was this person who was asking you this? My best friend. Okay. <laughs> who, thankfully, does not All live right. in Victoria. So it's an eggplant. Right <laughs> um, what do you call that, dear? It's an eggplant. Yeah, All what, right. did, what did you do? It's like I'm in the castle. Exactly. Um, no, a- but, it's apricot chicken. Yeah, But, yeah. you know, like, and so with the sweet potatoes, we ended up with, like, these, you know, mm. at Burnley in the course that I was doing, you know, my lecture there is growing, you know, many different kinds of sweet potatoes and people yes. don't necessarily realize that we really only eat one species of most things and so this is sort of saying like yeah. let's celebrate the diversity and let's try and save these foods and mm. really invest in them because the monoculture as you said at the very beginning the monoculture is going to be one of the things that tanks the food system faster than anything so maybe what we should have is a government imperative to maybe get uh, a diggers club catalog in every home absolutely well hey, if you can work on that put one. It in. <laughs> I want a diggers club manual next to every toilet in the country. We've definitely got one in our house. Yeah, well, they're great to read. All right, okay. So um, how long is this thing on for? Are you going to be providing any more food for people and where should they go? No, for the time being, the food is done, but uh, Anna's show is on for... For ages. 
Yeah, another few weeks at least. I can yep. absolutely recommend you go see it, especially Fool's Gold, which was the the high, the um, honeybee hives made out of tissue paper. Absolutely stunning. Yes. Um, and also just jump on the Carlton Connect website to have a look at what else is coming up in the rest of the absolutely famished season. And the great news is you don't have to worry about parking because the easiest way to get there is just to come up on a tram up Swanson Street. Yep. And uh, you're, yeah, you're any there. of those ones to Melbourne Uni. So it's just a part of Melbourne Uni. And But, you know, if anyone wants to talk about doing another Apocalyptic feast. Just get in touch, and we'll see what we can do. We'll get the apocalyptic apron on. Yeah, my apocalyptic apron. Absolutely. Well, well, I still think we should promote you to a doctor. Thank you for for joining <laughs> us, and uh, and also for that thought provoking meal that you provided for us earlier in the week. No, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. It was good. All right, it's twelve twenty-four. You're listening to Eat It on Three Triple RFM. We're going to play some music. We actually are going to go old school. We're playing it off a twelve centimetre disc of plastic. I met this bloke in in Bendigo, and uh, <laughs> this guy has a voice of suffering and pain. Yeah. He's only nineteen, and he sounds amazing. So um, I'm going to pop this into Max Crawdaddy's. Uh, Pigeonhole, so stay tuned to, to Crawdaddy because you might hear him on the show. Bill Barber. Shall we hear it? Yeah. Right. I'm going I'm to start it now. I think we're on. Good morning. Hello, John. Do you know what? You know it's cold when I've just stuck the earbuds in my ear to hear you and monitor. They're cold. I don't think I've remembered that before. <laughs> Go for it. As long as you don't squeeze, it's okay. (laughs) Be nice. Have we got a bit of hands-on from the customers here? Uh, Good morning. Good morning. It's a lovely morning, but it was better half an hour ago. (laughs) It's a northerly wind, but it's that cold. I've just come over the really cold interior, and uh, here I am. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see you back. Okay. You've, we've got a little bit of show and tell here that you've, you've brought out. Um, the first thing I should... Let, let's talk about scarcity first. Yeah, scarcity, because uh, people forget about scarcity. Um, I'd say that we've spoiled, been spoiled, not just that we've spoiled you, we've all been spoiled for about 15 years. We've been spoiled? Yes, been, been spoiled. Good yeah. weather yeah. means good produce. An abundance of produce means cheaper produce yes. and prices are the same, summer, winter, mm. even if we've had to bring it down from Queensland. Yeah. Uh, and that can be seen by the green beans at the moment. Normally we sell beans, summer, winter, five, six bucks, seven bucks, eight bucks the most. It's getting mid. At the moment we've double digits, the... mate. Well, hang about how many? You're holding up double digits. Double digits. 20? 20. 20 bucks. 20 even. Now I've been saying, I think the last time I spoke to you I said they were going to reach 20 you and did. they did. You did. And I've been saying they're going to reach 25 and they may still do that. You're the Nostradamus of vegetables. Yeah, well, the writing was on a wall because <laughs> the, the fruit that you've got in your hand at the moment, we'll tell you, Let's see, we've got two varieties of beans here. Yeah. Both came from, from the same farm. One's a green variety that's, um, well, I call them squeaky crunchy because when you chew them, they're squeaky. Yes. I don't like them. They're higher in acid. This other variety is a very pale variety, but it's sweeter when you eat it, but it's softer as well. And less marked, too. And less marked. That now, bottom beans had some hard stuff to happen to it. Well, yeah, the cold air is um, making it go darker as you're looking at it, and it, and it will eventually develop black spots. Yeah. So if you kept it in a crisper for a week, you'd go back to a bag of mush. And you'd be disappointed. Oh, very much so. Especially, especially 20 bucks. Yeah, but, right. but you'd be disappointed you don't have food. And the, the lighter green variety may go a little bit softer and shriveled up, but when you cook it, it'll come up a treat again. Mm. Um, you know, and you keep it basically with a little, little bit of olive oil, salt and garlic. Can't go wrong. You know what I'd be doing? Yeah, tell me. I'd turn away oh, and I'd wow. go. You know what? <laughs> it's just, we just wait, you know. Um, okay, $20 a kilo. Everyone's sort of been talking about it. Restaurants saying, oh, my God, it's off there. It's not the end of the world, is no, it, really? No. It's like, but, just well, move aside. Can I just say, yeah, Finocchio, there's some beautiful fennel around. Three for five bucks, and hey. they're huge. Hey. They're, they're bigger than a, a coconut, if you can imagine that. Well, that's and a big, then look at pumpkin. We've got, we got big pumpkins here. The beautiful that's, butternut's uh, pumpkin. That is, that is huge. That is, that is one of the, that, that's a very big butternut pumpkin. 
and they're cutting lovely as well. You know, nice bright orange colour. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't got this one cut, but we've got a, a stripy variety of butternut, which is a cross between two or three pumpkins. But look at the beautiful, intense orange colour there is, and it's a drier pumpkin. That actually looks like a Japanese pumpkin, or Kent if you shop at the supermarket. Yeah, it's got a bit of that but moisture it's got, about it. Yeah, yeah, but it's got more flavour. It's a nuttier, sweeter pumpkin. What do you like doing with butternuts? I love my pumpkin roasted, and I love yeah. pumpkin soup. The kids don't like the pumpkin soup so much. Really? Yeah, but they've got to eat it. Huh. Uh, it's good for you, you know. I know. It warms the cockles of your hearts as well. Fat-soluble vitamins. You yeah. see those orange vitamins, and you know it's going to be doing you some good. That's right. Also, butternut, for me, we've said this before, it's one of the few things that you can just make a puree of itself, as in, you know, just boil it down, um, stick it in a vitamizer, you know, uh, stab mixer or whatever it is, you don't need anything else except That's maybe right. a little bit of salt. You want to hear something weird? Sure. In Always. summer, yeah. cut it into little cubes, yeah. marinate it with good olive oil yeah. and a good vinegar, yeah. and let it sit for an hour or two, yeah. and then you eat it raw as Ooh. a salad. How big are the cubes? Oh, like a, like a dice. Like a like a coon cube yeah, that we would have yeah, seen in yeah. an old-fashioned hors d'oeuvre that, thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. about that size. Yeah. And, and Next to the cabana. The olive oil and the vinegar will marinate it. Yes. And you can eat it, and you'll be surprised at the texture and the flavour and the colour that you'll get out of it. What does the acid do to the texture? Um, mellows it down. It's not as hard. A little, a little bit a softer. Bit softer. Oh. Mellows down the flavour as well. Salt um, and pepper? Salt and pepper. Garlic. Yeah. And that's it. Maybe a bit of roasted cumin powder if you oh, wanted to yeah, go somewhere. Yeah, you can get exotic. Yeah, okay, but anyway, course. that's something to look forward to in, in summer anyway. It's refreshing, yeah, yeah. in other words, you know. Now, we've got um, some... You've got some beautiful eggplant, you know. Are they very expensive at the moment? I didn't check the price. Yeah, we're selling five fifty, And again, oh. normally in the middle of winter, we're giving eggplant away 2 to $3 a kilo. Now, this one's uh, your rude food type yeah, of plant. John, show it's, me dirty, um, dirty uh, fruit. This one weighs about 700 grams. Now, normally we don't buy eggplant that big because people like smaller ones. Mm. But I can't believe it. They are running away this week because <laughs> people have just seen that they've got a brilliant shine on them. The stem on top's bright green. It's just inviting. It's calling you, it saying, is. come and get me, cook me. It's shiny rather than dull, isn't it? Now, oh, this is a beautiful thing. So. It's got a beautiful luster on it. Uh, Musica. Oh, yes. Um, fried. Just, just uh, eggplant parmigiana. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I like them crumbed and fried. Yeah, me too. And it's beautiful food. And also we do layers in the oven. Uh, you do an eggplant, onion, tomato, breadcrumb, cheese, mm. and then layer it like a, a lasagna. Yeah. And um, you use the very fine breadcrumbs, not the um, bigger panko breadcrumbs. No, no. And a little bit of olive oil, and that's it. My dad hates it. My mum and I will eat a baking tray full ourselves. So you can't keep everyone happy. <laughs> almost, almost harmony in the house. Almost. Almost. And, and, and if you put a little bit of these beautiful little bird's eye chilies in it, yeah. you get that little bit of a tang as well. Where are they from? These are my mum's backyard. Really? Jeez. These grow upwards. They're beautiful. They're I chop nick. one of these up in my plate and put my pasta or soup on top. Yeah. And it just gives it that little bit of a zing and warms up. The cockles. Yes. Or the and, sun and, cockles. And like the... Um, Asians say it, it wakes up the soul and, and oh. gives you that inner energy. Well, I was going to say, good for fire. Yeah, good for fire. Yeah, good for fire <laughs> inside. Well, Ian, <laughs> now let's face it, in the middle of winter, that's, uh, that's what we could use. Now, one thing I am seeing uh, is the fact that um, citrus fruit. Oh. It's everywhere, man. It's everywhere. There's, yeah, yeah. there's uh, two or three varieties of grapefruit. There's two or three varieties of navel oranges. There's the normal navel. Then there's a navelina. What about the mandarins? And, and, and yeah, the mandarins are the same. Uh, you can get big puffy ones that look horrible, but when you open them up, they're all juice inside. Yes. So you don't always have to have a hard, hard mandarin. A couple of bucks a kilo and even less I've seen. And then you get the exotic varieties, anything from 4 to $6. But when you break them open mm. and you eat them, you can remember the flavour an hour later. And that's what it's all about. And they make for the most beautiful juices, as oh, uh, as you were saying. Always. Like the, we've got the Ellendales are starting to come in, and the honey mercots. Yes, honey mercots are the very, very tight. Got lots of seeds. Lots of seeds, but, but it's good fun spitting them, but not on the carpet. No, no, no. <laughs> we asked to leave. Um, so uh, citrus fruit is is awesome at the moment. There is an old-fashioned thing to do, which I haven't done for a while, but it just made me think of it. If you get a grapefruit, cut it in half, dredge with sugar, a little bit of cinnamon, stick it under the gorilla, 
Yeah, that was very popular in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had one of those in ages. And it's good for you again because you got a a lot of acid there and a a little bit of sugar as well to tame it down. Ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid. Which is a happy acid. Yes, and um, it's good for your health as well. I can't eat the grapefruit because it upsets my uh, hay fever. It tastes like rotten fruit to me, but... Um, you know, a lot of I can eat the, the skin, the candied skin. It's beautiful. Yeah. But I can't eat the, the juice or the flesh of the grapefruit. Wow. Yeah. So we're all different. Yeah. Thank God for that. Okay. Um, and, and before we forget, I want to tell you about the scarcity tomatoes and oh, okay, not yes. just falling over because of the price of beans. You're seeing tomatoes, uh, anything between six and seven dollars a kilo. It's very cold. People forget that uh, the veggies feel it as well. You can see you, you've got a, a little aroma there, just a little bit smaller than egg. This come out of South Australia. Uh, they're very, very sweet, sweeter than a normal Queensland aroma. We can see which side the sun was on, can't we? Definitely, on definitely. Yeah, you can tell um, one side's not as red. It's a little bit greener. Looks a it's little like, bit anemic. It's like but the, the dark side it. of the moon, isn't it? Definitely. You know, the other side, it's like, oh, you haven't been kissed by the sun at all, have you? Yeah, but it, it'll come up colour all the way around. It's still, it is Murray still Bridge. amazing, though. Oh, really. look, it is. Just feel how cold that is. Middle that has never winter. been in the fridge, and it feels like it's frozen. Wow. So you know, <gasps> you got to understand that the poor little buggers are cold, so they're not ripening up. Yeah. Less tomatoes means we have to pay a little bit more. But other than that, you know, we're, we're lucky to have them. Mm. All right. Well, look. Let's do. Um, let's do the pick of the market, John. All right. Uh, I'd be getting a bunch of mandarins. A bunch of mandarins. Yeah. Make a little bit of juice, even, but you have to drink it um, immediately. If you, if you leave it sitting around, it changes flavour. So it's the make, same as an onion. Yes. If you cut an onion and you don't use it within fifteen minutes or so, it changes. It's mushy, you know. Man, then not something nice. here. So okay. get get your fruit. Also, I had a new variety of apples. I've forgotten their name. It's got a sort of Japanese name. Really? But it, it's huge. Um, Sweet. Like a coconut as well, like the old Five Crown. Some people remember, some don't. Yeah, um, Golden Delicious Five Crown. Yeah, yeah. cross with it. It looks like a bit of a Golden Delicious. Very crunchy, juicy flavour. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Good acid balance as well. Because, Could you bake it? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking I've got ten of them at home. I'm going to core them, fill them with sugar wrap them in the alpha and put them in the oven. If I had an open fire, that's the way to go, but I haven't got an open fire. Could I put some sultanas in there as well? Yeah, and a little bit of cinnamon. Maybe a bit of walnut? Yeah. That could be good. And a bit of grand manier on top line. Woo! And how long will that take to cook? Uh, 30? 10, uh, 10, 10-15 minutes if I can wait that long. Sometimes, well, no, it'd take a little bit long because you've really got to warm the apple through, but you don't have to overcook it. Yeah, baked apple is one of the easiest things. Normally, Except, what I do it in the microwave, but it's better if you do it slower in the oven. Oh, we got to, uh, be, okay. Uh, but uh, what, uh, a friend of mine did that the other day, and they blew apart. <laughs> and, and that was, it I makes think, a mess. Yeah, but I was thinking that the the apples weren't tight. You know, when apples are sort of big and loose. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what happened to it. But it probably left them in a little bit too long as well. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, have a look at the fruits. There's an abundance of fruit. Yeah. Pears, uh, there's some strange-looking mangoes across here. I think they come from Mexico. Uh, I wouldn't go. bother. Yeah, walk away. American cherries, yeah. Yeah, walk away. Uh, grapes are the same. The last yeah. of the Australian are out. Oh, really? First okay. of the American that come by aeroplane are out. That's your choice whether you buy or not. Yeah. Sprouts are spectacular, $5 a kilo. I reckon it's sweeter this year. We normally mash them. We haven't bothered to mash them because there's no bad smells or tastes to get rid of, so... Mm. Give them a quick steam or boil. Salad mix has gone expensive as well because it doesn't like the cold weather. Mm. Cauliflowers and cabbages are running away. People are making different dishes with them. Um, some people still even making coleslaw with the beautiful cabbages because now they're, they're nice and sweet. I'd what be one of I those. Say? Oh, can I do one? Yeah. Passion fruit. If you want to get a little taste of summer and a little bit of intense, you know, wonderful flavours, bit of passion fruit. Yeah, passion fruit sorbet or with a bit of vanilla ice cream. Chuck it on your yogurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what I reckon, walk around, pick the eyes out of the market, Mm. do your menus when you get here, don't do it at home. Yeah, you can have an idea, yes. You need direction always, but see what happens. It's a good thing. You've uh, warmed up the cockles and... uh my, my earbuds are warm up now, too, which is kind of nice. And we had a little bit of sunshine on us for a sec. But can uh, you feel the cold coming up out of the ground? My can, calves are cold. Yeah, I can feel. I can feel in my... Yeah, I needed thicker socks on today. John, as always, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. We'll see you soon, and uh, watch out for those beans. Oh, definitely.
12.43 here in the afternoon uh, at the trip down here in beautiful East Brunswick. We're joined by a couple fabulous souls, Matt and Vanessa, uh, from Melbourne Rooftop Honey, and we go, yay! <laughs> Hello. Hey, hey. Do you like having a, a applause? The applause I made went nuts. Yeah. It's pretty welcoming, yeah. Um... <laughs> You guys, your master mastermind subject are bees. Uh, it's the middle of winter. Uh, the bees are asleep. You must be doing nothing. Yeah, we just <laughs> sit, wait till spring. And do you just put it like a hammock or something? And uh, Netflix, I suppose that's what everyone's <laughs> doing right now. Yep. All the beekeepers. That's it. No. Netflix. Yeah. So the opposite. Um, and good afternoon. Yes, yes. Uh, still busy as ever. Um, this time of year, beekeepers preparing for their spring. Uh, preparing. Or- Woodware, um, fixing boxes, getting frames ready. Um, we, at the moment, are preparing a... As the dynamic duo that you are. <laughs> we're preparing uh, uh, a food extraction facility. A food uh, extraction facility. <laughs> so, basically, somewhere we can are go people and... people going to die? <laughs> Where are you extracting the food yeah, from? Yeah, we're, we're intrigued. Food so, handling. Yeah, food handling. Our own space to uh, process the honey as opposed to uh, kitchens where we've been doing it in the past. Others' kitchens. Oh, right. Yes. Um, so, our own food handling space with an education space as well. Wow. What's that going to look like? It's uh, just an open carpeted area with tables have and chairs. Put, have you got the, ch- the stool? Are they going to have stools or chairs? Chairs. Chairs. Ex-university chairs. Yeah. Mm. Like these. So, um, so this is in Heidelberg, yeah? It will be, yes. It will be. Yes. And um, be. how many people are you going to be able to teach at once? Hmm. We're not sure yet. We're, we're actually... We're, Depends we're, how many chairs we can get. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're probably going to do um, smaller <laughs> workshops and groups, smaller groups of 10 to 20 people, but we're planning hmm. a couple of... Um, well, actually, four workshops that we're going to be holding down at the Saxon Street Siteworks down in Brunswick. So it's a community centre down there. So they've got some bees on site. Um, which was donated from one of our club members. And so, yeah, we're actually going to be doing some workshops ourselves as well. So and what are you going to teach? What, what, what people get from a workshop? We're going to introduce um, people to bees who haven't Hi. seen bees. Yes. We're also going to <laughs> have a look inside a hive and get I to know to them. I some of my, my closest friends. Some of my girlfriends down there. Yes. Um, we're also going to be doing kind of um, a course that's like becoming an independent beekeeper, but it's going to be modulated so you can add on different subjects. Like, for example, if you've got a flow hive, you can do a flow mechanics course. What's, um, a, what's a flow hive again for people that... <laughs> Those flow hives, the, the invention where you It's can, the invention of the century, so yeah, far as from, yeah. from a beekeeping goes. point of view. Yeah, um, basically, it has um, flow frames that you put on top of your beehives. Yes. And you can actually extract the honey out of the hive without opening the hive. Without disturbing what's inside and, yes. and rummaging around and getting mm. the bees all upset. Yep, yep. And so Do they notice that the honey's going, though? <laughs> like, you know, they're going, hey... Hey, th- they th- do. This they was would, full. They would have to at least when <laughs> what the when we go and ex- you know rob the bees. Yes, um, they know we've been in there because yeah. we come in all smoke screen and, and masked bandits. Yeah, and we, what was we, that? we heist it. They know I don't know. There was there was a whole bunch of smoke and but with the flow hive, it just comes out. You you crank a handle, it it comes out the back of the frame and out a tube out the back, and the bees would go up to their pantry. And you go, okay. What happened here? What? what? When did this happen? I don't know. Did anyone see any smoke? No. That's what <laughs> I usually swear happens. I put a cap on that bee. Yeah. That bee's what, what's going on? So this, the flow hive was actually developed by an Australian? Uh, father and son in yeah. New South Wales. Yeah. So yes. it's an Aussie invention. Yes. Has it been, is there a patent pending on this? There to, is, yeah. yeah. So yeah. is this something that's going to get us lots of money for this country? Um I, I so, think yeah. they're making a portion of them here and a portion of them offshore, but they've mm. sold like thirty-five thousand units. I mean, it is—it's—it's it's big news in beekeeping. It is. It's huge. I mean, it's—you know—it's been the biggest thing since we went away from the rope since hive. the Langstroth. Oh, <laughs> the Langstroth! Those yeah. were the days. <laughs> they were. So, uh, what the WTF Langstroth? That's the type of hive that um, most well, beekeepers right. would use. Yeah. See, because we, in the back in the day, we used to look at the the beehive was sort of like this 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 Skep. cone thing. Skep. Yeah, yeah, and then it became a box. Was that the Langstroth? Right. The Langstroth. He oh, discovered Langstroth. bee space. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, toasts to the Langstroth, like you know, definitely beekeeper to the Langstroth. He did make it much easier. Yeah. Yes. Right. 
Um, so so the there five, there's 35,000 of them roughly in, in circulation at the minute. Yes. Um, so some of the traditionalist beekeepers don't like the idea of the flow hive. Oh, of course they don't. It's the end of the world. <laughs> the, <laughs> Just the imagine it. fact is that they are out oh, there and yeah. we need to teach all <laughs> beekeepers to be responsible with their bees. Yeah, there's always a resistance skills. to change, isn't there? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, it's going to be the biggest thing since the Langstroth. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> Over my dead body. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so the so the, the flow hive is big. So you're going to um, uh, give an acquaintance and education. There'll be a module to- for flow. There'll also be where another workshop we're running is a digital computerized hive monitoring system that weighs the hive and checks temperature and humidity and it's made from an arduino based computer that people come in and buy as a kit and put together in our workshop mm. can you do a linux version <laughs> in theory if you yeah. Yeah, if so if that, is that all is that all open source sort of uh, it, is, okay, that, yeah. it is open question. source yes is that open source that is so, open source that's yep. good definitely so it's just another way that people can observe uh, observe their bees without actually having to go in there so it'll be mainly monitoring weight yeah so you can, can see imagine. increases in, in the weight as well as decreases. So, like, for instance, if your bees swarm and stuff, so you'll lose a bit of weight in your hive. And, and you're able to keep track of that, and obviously that will be recorded so that you can do... In the cloud. ...funky graphs and stuff like, hey, bring it back. Let's do a graph. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine the blokes like that too because it makes them feel like you're in the control of the world. Introducing technology yeah. into the yeah. um, other core, other modules, uh, queen raising. If you want to start looking into that, um, candle wax workshops as well. Yeah. So the, yeah, we'll, we'll have a whole lot of different mm. modules that you can add on to the base beekeeping course. So rather than just uh, a quick course, goes you know a couple of days and push you out into the real world, and, <laughs> and there you are. There's your bees. There you go. Like, see you later. Um, <laughs> it'll be ongoing, and then also the possibility of su- ongoing support in yes. blocks. So support blocks for people who who are. Wanting help setting up or yep, certain yep. parts of the support area. swarms. Yeah. What do bees do this time of year? What are they? What are they doing? They're just sort of going. Well, you know, I don't oh, want to get up. You want to get up? Still, I don't want to go. They're actually. Do you want to go out there? <laughs> you know, I don't want to go there. They're actually foraging quite a lot. We've noticed this winter. They've been, bees have been flying pretty hard, as beekeeper would say, um, bringing in lots of pollen and stuff. But generally, this time of year is when they're eating their food that they've gathered last season. All the honey that's been ripped off. Well, yeah, as long as the beekeeper leaves enough for them. So, yes. Um, So, they're basically a smaller nucleus um, colony. Um, They will be, they'll still be laying, the queen will still be laying some eggs, um, but she basically slows down. That's her gig, and that's all she knows, really, isn't it? Yeah. What do you do? I lay eggs. Mm -hmm. I have all these people looking after me. Go, you drones. It's good. (laughs) So, and um, bees, I mean, honey in itself, you know, we've had you on heaps of time but i'll just restate the obvious honey is one of the very few things excretions of insects that we actually eat is it not yes yeah. it is that's yeah it's only uh food produced by insects that humans eat oh other than ants Honey pots, honey okay. ants. Uh, there, there, was a, there was an awkward yep. look there between the two. Of them. That was good, wasn't it? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. even that, uh, there's not many um, animals that store food for the future. Most animals are day-to-day food gatherers. So uh, squirrels yeah. and badgers. Squirrels. Uh, humans. Uh, I think there's only five. Badgers? Uh, I didn't know badgers did that. There's only five or six animals that store food for the future. I don't really have much of a thing on badgers other than they're really aggro. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, and so honey badgers. <laughs> there is such a thing, isn't honey badger? Uh, let's we can Google that later. No, there is. Okay. No, take it from me. Yep. There is the honey badger, but um, the very nature of honey is something that I don't know. It, it sits in 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 the pantry for a lot of us, and I think for a lot of us. And I'm pointing my finger at you through the speakers. You might be taking this for granted. First of all, it's that it is the most amazing product is it not because a well it one is it lasts for virtually all time yes correct. discuss that one. Oh well they're found in the egyptian tomb so honey which is about three thousand years but the reason why yeah, this is delicious as long as it's stored appropriately yes you can keep it pretty much for mm. forever mm-hmm. and and the other thing that amazes me about it and i uh, found this out firsthand is that it is incredibly, it has antibiotic yes. properties to it. 
Yes, it's partly to do with the way in which the bees actually um, ingest the nectar and then when they regurgitate it, they introduce like a hydrogen peroxide into it. Mm -hmm. And and that works really well. Can I give you an example of how that worked for me? Mm -hmm. Yes. I lived on an island. It's a long time ago. A long time ago I lived on an island. Coral Sea. And I went scuba diving during a coral spawning event. Got a little coral, a little scratch. Went nuts. Within hours, full-on tropical ulcer. Right? Just like nasty, nasty, nasty. Used to have to get carried off the boat. Wasn't very, very nice. But anyway, but I'm having penicillin powder. I'm putting all sorts of stuff on it. And then we had some people from New Guinea. I think they owned a plantation or something like that. And they said, put honey on it. Yeah. And that fixed it. Yeah, well, yep. honey is one of those great things, especially when it comes to um, ulcers and those kinds of things. What you can do is it's – because it's hydroscopic, you actually will be able to – What does hydroscopic mean? means it absorbs moisture. Thank you. So you can actually put it on the skin, and what it will do is help – it will create a barrier, but it'll the, the actual skin itself won't dry out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got and got amazing antifungal, antimicrobial properties, all sorts of things. It's really, it's really, a, truly a wonderful product. And we don't want to run out of bees, do we? I mean, we we were talking earlier on in the show because we, I called her a doctor. We promoted her, didn't we? Yeah, to get an honorary doctorate. Uh, Sophie was talking about uh, the thing inheritance that was on, and I showed you this was uh, something that was looking at pretty much yep. a world without bees. And as well as climate change, which is this unfolding car wreck that we're sort of in and we're looking at, we're watching, hopefully the airbag will go off. But something's happened in Townsville, which is uh, more pressing and more urgent and more now. Yes, uh, Varroa. Uh, it wasn't Verona the chocolate. Varroa, so yeah. the... The Varroa mite. Worldwide parasitic mite. Um, has made it to Australia. And this is... We it were, first was around Florida, was it, when it first started? Anyway, it's, it emerged somewhere. We're seeing it here yeah, in, yeah. in We were one Townsville. of the last places in the world that didn't have it. Um, we were the last safe haven for bees. Our bees were the healthiest in the world. And we were trying to do well with biosecurity, and we have now found two colonies around Townsville that have Varroa in them. Um, they are Apis serrana, so they're not the European honeybee. They're the Asian bee. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the varroa is on land, which is a, an extremely big concern, especially for what's coming up in the next few months. Why is that concerning for you guys? What, what does it actually mean for uh, honey producers, beekeepers, and agriculture in general? Well, oh, God. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really big question. There's an expanding circle. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> wow, I thought, I thought I could cope with the first bit. But, yeah. um, so basically what will happen is, well, for, for us in regards to beekeeping, beekeeping will change. The way in which we keep our bees will change. Mm. We'll have to decide how in which we will um, manage the mites because the thing is you cannot just get rid of the mites. The mites will be here, be there. And if... Depending on your approach, whether it be a miticide approach, whether you so you go in chemical approach versus natural approach, or somewhere in between, um, it's generally my kind of balance. But yeah, um, yeah it, it'll change the way in which um, bees will be kept. Also, um, all the wild pollinators, so all the feral colonies that we call unmanaged hives, will all be wiped out. So pollination will become. Well, it already is big, big business, but it'll become even more important. And all the ones, all the yes, yeah, so all the free pollinators out there will stroke. Will, 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 well, they won't exist anymore. It will change um, the way in which we look at. I mean, we still, we still do. Look, we, we are looking at our food quite differently now, but a, a lot of things will change. I mean, for example, you've got at the moment. Next month, there's a big pollination of the almond fields, which happen in Robinvale. There's something That's like... That's in Queensland, is it not? No, it's on the border of... Mildura. It's up near Mildura, okay. I believe. It's oh, yeah, yes. Um, uh, that's where a lot of, uh, of fruit comes from, um, Robinvale, yeah. uh, yeah. sultanas, and yes. of course. Yes, so, yes. for example, like almonds are 100% dependent on honeybee pollination. Completely. 150 yeah. to 160,000 beehives get shipped in from... Say, say that again. 150 to 160,000 beehives get... It's like an MCG full of beehives. (laughs) So beekeepers from all around the country all come to Robinvale to pollinate the almonds. So 
where we think that oh, okay, it's Apis Serrana, it's in Queensland, and it's on, it's it's not here in Victoria. Um, we've got beekeepers from Queensland that come down to service the almonds. So yeah, so it will change a lot. Um, we may have it sooner in Melbourne than we actually expect. We don't have a lot of time, no. but shouldn't um, bio whatever the 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 people are should be saying you guys from Queensland can't come down we would have well, hoped so but look, almonds are too important um, and the advice is almonds owned by Singaporeans yeah in theory so the, our whole food security is at jeopardy for some almonds at the minute and the word that we have been given is to expect varroa in Melbourne by the end of the year that's okay, a, a um, very daunting way to finish the show. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> no, no, it's terrible. On the good news, good news is the rest Thank of the you, world Marissa. have had the rest of the world has had <laughs> varroa for at least well sixty years. They've been managing it. So mm. the good thing is that at least there are other people that will have a vast amount of experience who will be able to help us through this. Yes, okay. Isla Man is now varroa free. Oh really? Yeah, they they they've, they've get run over by all those really fast motorcycles. That's right. <laughs> they had an eradication program, got rid of their honeybee population, and have now um, introduced varroa-free bees, and it's doing quite well. So okay. that I think maybe our next thing that we look at is is areas around the world remote enough to uh, keep bees clean. We've got half a minute left. Favorite thing to uh, have honey on? Oh, this time of the year, mm. crumpets. Usually. I'm thinking crumpets. Yeah. Yep. Simple pleasures always. But I saw over the weekend people going truffle crazy. Truffle and honey. Truffle and honey. And honey yeah. and cheese. And honey. Yeah. Gorgonzola. Dolce Gorgonzola. Oh, what about this? Okay. Fig. Mm-hmm. Split open. Take out. Uh, no, date. Sorry. Date. Take out the thing. Bit of blue cheese. Truffled honey on the. Mm. Turns the blue cheese into a carrot. Sounds good. All right, Matt. <clears throat> uh, stay tuned because we've got. Bound for glory? Yes. I was going to do my angry, but I just just held it back at the end. I was going to go full angry, Anderson. More sport on Sunday lunch. Yes, sir. And uh, we're looking at presidents. So we've got presidents galore for the next hour for you. Matt and Vanessa, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. It's really good to see you. Matty, good to be back in the studio. And I Googled it later on tonight, 7.30pm, Under the Sun with Jonathan Alley. The Kills playing live to air. The Jonathan Alley. Sold out show at the Forum. Wow. The Kills, they're on here. (laughs) So good. Um, all right. Um, we should uh, go. Okay, we will. Excellent. Let's Thanks do it. We're out of here. <laughs> Bye. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.